0: beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Lord's Days 26 and 27, the focus was on the sacrament of Holy Baptism. Now, according to Article 34 of the Belgian Confession, Holy Baptism is the sacrament by which we are received. We are received into the Church of God and set apart from all other peoples and false religions to be entirely committed to him whose mark and emblem we wear. We bear. We are received into the church of Christ. That means once being baptized, there will never be any reason to receive that sign and seal again. Article 34 says, baptism benefits us not only when the water is on us, on us. The morning or afternoon if they are baptized but we receive it but not only when we receive it but it's of benefit for us throughout our whole life baptism never loses its validity it is as with its merits just think of a case where a husband has been unfaithful towards his wife for many years but once he has, t- has said that he is genuinely sorry for it wants to amend his life, and that it is also accepted by his wife, there is no need to make those vows they made on their wedding day again. Sometimes I hear that on the merits and Richmond scam, people are 25 years married and they have been called down, and they think they have to make their vows again. But there is no need for that. For in case, like his husband and wife, want to live together again to make a new start, loving each other as they did at first, that that is only possible because of the vows they made at their wedding day years ago. It shows that these vows did not lose their validity. But likewise, baptism will never lose its validity. And so, there is never any need for re-baptism. Realize also, when there is re-baptism, the focus is no longer on God, but that we commit, we make a new commitment to the Lord. That's not what baptism is. Baptism is God makes a commitment towards us, and that stands. You should sing it. Psalm 12, from eight to eight unbroken. So that's the covenant. So, by the sacrament of holy baptism, God has guaranteed us the washing away of our sins in the blood of Christ, and also the renewal of lives through the Spirit of Christ. A pledge of God's never-failing love even though we, from our side, do not always give that laveritur. God's promise stands. Now you should say that should be sufficient. That's what we may cling to. We are reminded of it every time there is baptism in the church, and also through the preaching. So that should be enough, so to speak. But then, as it reads in Article 33, Belgian Confession, mindful of our insensitivity and infirmity in addition to the sacrament of holy baptism our gracious god ordained also the sacrament of holy supper and that's article 35 to nourish and sustain those whom he has already regenerated and incorporated in the family of his students you could phrase it also baptism brings us into god's governance lord's supper keeps us in god's government the lord ordained this sacrament to make sure that we do not fall back but may grow stronger and stronger in faith and love towards him from strength to strength till we shall finally with our blemish take our place among among the assembly of god's elect in life eternal so this afternoon we look we will I preach you the Gospel about Holy Supper, the Word of God about Holy Supper. I'd like to highlight two aspects, and they apply also to Holy, Holy Baptism, but this afternoon to Holy Supper. The sacrament of the Holy Supper is a gift of God, yet to benefit for, of this gift, we must, use, we must use the sacrament in a proper way. So first of all, it's a gift of God. In the form of baptism, brothers and sisters, parents requesting baptism for the child are warned not to use this sacrament out of custom or superstition. I would like to note that the same applies to the sacrament of Holy Supper. We should not attend the Holy Supper table either out of custom or superstition. That we go there simply to get the office bearers of our back, we tick the box, something like that. If that would be the reason, you would not benefit from Holy Supper. So if you go out of custom to Holy Supper just the way it is and nothing else, you wouldn't get any benefit of it. Then in the end, does it, also ma- then in the end it doesn't make also much difference whether you go or not. But Holy Supper, brothers and sisters, is more than just a good custom. God has ordained also this sacrament for the strengthening of our faith. It's a precious gift of God which we should treasure. It's one of the means of grace by which the Lord, through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, which in us want to cause our faith to grow. And so you should never forget that, attending the Holy Supper. That you put yourself in a similar way as we sit here this afternoon under the power of the Holy Spirit, well, attending Holy Supper, you put also yourself under the power of the Holy Spirit, who wants to strengthen your faith by the use of that sacrament. And we need it, beloved. Because we are weak. We need it, otherwise, we would lose the battle against sin and go down to defeat. With the spiritual warfare we have to fight. That brings me to the following conclusion. Whoever, without having a lawful reason, leaves his place at the table of the Lord vacant, grieves the Holy Spirit. If you, without any lawful reason, do not go to the Holy Supper, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Thinking of our young people, this also means when you become slack in attending catechism classes, which are given to come to the table of the Lord, to make profession of faith, and so to receive admission to the lord's supper if you become slack in attending the catechism class do not pull your way there you also grieve the holy spirit i mention that on purpose for the catechism instruction is the instruction the church gives the church gives to non-communicant members of the church to profession of faith so that they may be admitted to the lord's table and therefore young people you should never postpone that either after all, the Lord wants those who have matured in faith to respond to their baptism, to come to active participation in church life, but also in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. There is a command to do so. And that brings me to what the Lord Jesus said when he instituted Holy Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. And at the table there are also these Take. Eat. Remember, belief. As the heavenly host, Christ commands the believers to take their seat at his table and to eat from the broken bread and to drink from the poured out wine. There is a command to do so. Now, from a human point of view, that may seem strange. A host who does not invite but commands you to eat and drink, that's surely not common practice among us. If you had to host a meal, we would not act this way would kindly ask the guest, take from this meal, please eat, please drink, but not a command. But with respect to the Holy Supper, this is different. Christ, being the host, having given his body and blood as a sacrifice for our sins, has a right to say this to us. Eat from this bread, drink from this cup, for they assure you of my love, by this broken bread and poured out wine, I want to strengthen your faith. Through it, I want to remind you of what I did for you, giving my life for you, shedding my blood for you. Therefore, do this in remembrance of me. That's a suffering command. And therefore, those who doubt whether they should come to the table of the Lord or even refuse to come, not only offend Jesus as the heavenly host, but they are disobeying this clear command. In fact, they deny Him. In the time of the Old Testament, concerning those who refrained from participating in the Passover, the Lord had even commanded that they should be cut off from Israel. There's a clear indication, also for the New Testament church, that God takes his commands serious. Let us then be serious about it as well, by heeding his command. Realizing that this command is given out of love for sinners. Since God wants us to rejoice in the Feast of His Grace. But what beloved, if there are certain sins in our life, of which we may feel unworthy to take our place at the Lord's table. In circumstances like these, is it not better to stay away until there is some change in our life, until there is some progress made? After all, does it not read in the form for the celebration of Lord's Supper that Christ has ordained this sacrament only for those who truly believe in Him? So what if I struggle with difficulties in faith? What if I struggle with doubt or whatever? There are indeed the churches, I've met them in the Netherlands, where people stay away from the table of the Lord for this very reason. Even in our own churches, in the sister church in the Netherlands at the time, we, I had a couple in my second congregation, they had made professional faith, perhaps they had gone once to the Holy Separate. That was it. I can't go to the Holy Supper. So, that had already been ages before I came at a congregation and I, with all oh my good intentions thought that I could change that. But, I went there and every time the same answer. You can't go to the Holy Supper. That's only for those who are really strong in faith. A meal only for the strong ones in faith. So, if you don't feel that strong, you might eat and bring judgment upon yourself. Is it then or better not to attend? Maybe left that's the wrong viewpoint. After all, the Lord did not institute a sacrament for righteous people, but for sinners. Think of that first holy supper. We were there. Who were there? These disciples of Christ were surely not super saints, so to speak. Peter was sitting there. Of whom the Lord knew that even that very night he would betray him. I have nothing to do with that man. I don't know him. He did eat from the bread. And drink from the cup. Holy supper. A meal for sinners. Yet for forgiven sinners. For sinners who are truly sorry for their sins. And also want to fight against them. By eating from the bread. And drinking from the wine. Christ wants to reassure these sinners. That in the battle against their sin. They may count on his help. Holy supper has been instituted. To raise our confidence in Christ. And in the salvation we have in Christ. And therefore, he or she who doubts, if you doubt, you should not stay away, but come instead to be strengthened in faith. Of course, those who are not truly sorry for their sins should first repent and amend their lives. There's another reason why we ought to come to the table of the Lord. Sitting at the Lord's table naturally follows from being baptized. When we are baptized, God said to us, even though you are not worthy of it, you are my child, to whom I grant forgiveness of sins in Christ's blood. But for that reason, you are not allowed to say, I can't go, I'm not good enough. No, it's the grace of the Holy Spirit which we may cling to, the grace of God and the grace of the Holy Spirit who makes us truly sorry for our sins and shortcomings and desire to fight against it. See, then God will not hold that against us. That's forgiven. Then the table is open for us. Now some may say that's said easily. If that is indeed the case, if if this is indeed the case, does that not make people become careless? You ask for forgiveness, and you can go. As everyone can go, since Christ has promised forgiveness anyway. I can go. Nothing to worry. you will understand brothers and sisters that it is not like this after all one must also live from these riches what i mean is with our baptism god has given us great and mighty promises but the point is how do we value these promises by way of example at the beginning of our life god has promised us i will care for you always do you really appreciate that care beloved do you see that care of God in your life? Or do you rather work out things yourself? We like to be in control. And when that control is no longer there, then, then we start worrying. Because we are no in control. But then you, you forget that God has said, I will there be for you. Do you live from these riches? And likewise, God has promised us forgiveness of sins in Christ's blood. So the point now is, do you seek that forgiveness with an upright heart? I will come back to that later on. A moment ago, I said taking one's place at the Lord's supper follows naturally from our baptism. God took the initiative, but at that moment we didn't understand anything of it. We are just a baby. Now God says, said to us, "I give you a place in my covenant. You are my child, suffering love from God's side." But again, that asks for a response. As it reads in the form for the baptism, every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation. God has given us promises, but for us there is the obligation to respond to these promises. God is waiting for that response. In more practical terms that also means, young people, God is waiting for your public profession of faith. And that in this way you then also may receive admission to the Lord's table. That should not be unnecessarily be postponed god invites mature believers at his table and so even having made public profession of faith you could say by coming to the table each time again i respond to my baptism since at the lord's table we may rejoice in the forgiveness of sins which god already promised to us at our baptism All this, beloved, leads to the following conclusion. The question whether I should take my place at the table is a wrong question. Should I go or should I not go? That's always a wrong question. For Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of the cup in remembrance of him. But what if there are sins in my life? Well, beloved, then Christ says says to you today, repent. Repent. Now, break with these sins and come to my table to receive the forgiveness of sins in my blood. In other words, we can never use certain sins in our life as an argument not to celebrate Holy Supper. Even, even a quarrel or a disagreement with a fellow brother and sister within the congregation can never be a reason to leave your seat vacant. After all, the Lord says in his words, do not let the sun go down. On Euro, over Europe. and so when there is a disagreement, a quarrel, instead of letting it, instead of letting it linger on it, we should go to that brother and sister, and forgive each other, and come to the table. Never leave it to the next holy supper. Do it today. Do it today. But I'm waiting for the other. but I'm waiting for the other to make the first move I'm not the guilty party he's the guilty party so he should come to me I'm not going to him also that is wrong try to settle the argument also if it is not your guilt for it grieves the Lord when members in the congregation cannot see eye to eye because deep down they cherish hatred towards each other if you have difficulty remember this as well If you have difficulty to sit with a brother or sister at the table, what about heaven? What about heaven? Think about that. Now, sometimes people are afraid to eat and drink judgment upon themselves, not realizing that when living at odds with a fellow brother or sister in a congregation without trying to solve it, equally we may hear judgment upon ourselves. See, sometimes people let it linger on till the next Holy Supper. If Holy Supper comes yeah, here, then, then, then you have to do something about it. But in the meantime, you have heard this afternoon again, you have to do it now! Even though the Holy Supper might be in October. Don't let it linger on. The Lord says now, repent, for you can also hear judgment upon yourself. I think, beloved, from all that has been said thus far, it's clear that we should not come to the table because you are without sin. Instead we take our seat. Realizing that from ourselves. We are totally unworthy to sit there. Unworthy because of our sins. But that's exactly the reason. Why we celebrate. Knowing that there is forgiveness. For all these sins in Christ's blood. And that out of mere grace. It's to sinners. Forgiven sinners. That Christ says at his table, Will come. Eat and drink. Without price. It's all for nothing. I've given my blood. I've given my body and shed my blood for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. You may be sure of that, as certainly as you eat that bread and drink from the cup. Surely, so sure, your sins have been forgiven. Completely. That's the gospel of Holy Supper. Well, the first part of the sermon, we heard that Christ ordained the sacrament of Holy Supper for the strengthening of our faith. But the question is, how is our faith strengthened by this sacrament? How do we benefit from eating of the bread and drinking from the cup? Does it have some special feeling? I hear sometimes people have made profession of faith and they have done the first time Holy Supper. And sometimes they come away a bit. Disappointed. point. I didn't feel anything, as if it is a certain feeling. But then you focus on your feelings and not on the certainty of God's promise. So it's not a matter of of, of feeling something. That's not what the strengthening is about, that your feeling becomes stronger. No, that's the viewpoint of the Church of Rome, which is condemned in Lord's Day 29. The Reformed viewpoint is that... To be strengthened one must use this sacrament in faith, in a similar way as we also have to use our baptism in faith. Nothing happens automatically here. So how do we use that then in faith, the sacrament of Holy Supper? Well, Francis that, that has everything to do with the attitude in which you attend Holy Supper. How do you come to the table? Do you come to the table fully convinced that you need the forgiveness of sins in Christ's blood, not just general, but that you're concerned about yourself. Do you want to admit, I need this because I'm sinful? Do you ever put yourself under the microscope, so to speak, and look at your life and say, what a mess. It says in the Holy Supper form that we detest, must detest ourselves. Do you ever detest yourself? that you hate yourself, have you ever cried your heart out on your knees because of certain sins you have committed, or is it a bit, well, We're sinful, no one is perfect, that's easy, but the more you mention your sins by name, things I shouldn't have said, that must have really hurt that brother, Lord forgive me. Those sinful thoughts that all of a sudden so come up in our minds and you think, where does that come from? Grieved the Lord. Or something you did. See, bring that before the Lord. Every day. And then you go to the Holy Supper and say, really Lord? Can I sit here with all my sins? And then says the Lord don't worry. I forgive you. See, that's amazing grace, but sometimes said, said, are we really still amazed? We are so used to the gospel of grace, that we don't see it as a miracle anymore. It's a miracle that you may sit here, that you realize when you enter this church building, you will come in the presence of a Holy God. Think of the Israelites at Mount Sinai. They fled away, thunder, lightning and whatever. And it says in the letter to hebrews we are coming to even a greater faith feast the new testament church with angels around us if you could see it if you could see it maybe you had gone back how can I, a sinner sit in the presence of this holy god i'm unholy lord with all the stain there is the mess i make and then let the Lord supper, The Lord says, if you repent, if you confess these sins, I will not hold them against you anymore. Now that's amazing grace. And brothers and sisters, whoever in this way is busy with himself and his own sins, they have also less time to think about others. Sometimes in talks with members of the congregation you can hear comments, how dare does that person dare to sit at the Lord's table. Look at his life. We are often quick at looking at others, forgetting that we ourselves need God's grace as much as their fellow brother or sister. Instead of wondering about others, rather marvel at yourself at all your sins and shortcomings in your life, that you can sit at the table. Look at the mess we often make of our life, and still God will come be a worthy partaker of the heavenly food in drink. Then i marvel at so great a love towards me a sinner and then i do look at others at the table i have love on my own plate lord who am i that i may sit here that thou wilt not deal with me according to what i deserve but will still look upon me in favor and then i rejoice then i rejoice in a similar way that god will be gracious in a similar way to the fellow brother or sister like me see then Holy Supper will become a real festive event for all of us. This clearly shows how our faith is strengthened at Lord's Table. Then I take the bread and eat from it, rejoicing in God's love towards me. Then, as it reads in Answer to 76 of the Harabier Catechism, whilst eating the crucified body of Christ and drinking his shed blood, of oh, its bread and wine are symbols, I accept with the believing heart all the suffering and death of Christ, and so receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That together with my fellow brother and sister sitting next to me at the same table, I rejoice in that wonderful gift of God. They I no longer look down on him or her, wondering how she or he dares to come. But then we rejoice together, realizing we all need God's grace. The one no more, the one no less. We love when celebrating Holy Supper in this wonderful way. It will also be a fruit in our life. Then, as it reads in the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, this will cause in us a sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with our entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with our neighbor in true love and unity. Then, as fruit of the celebration of the Lord's Supper, our life will be determined by a heartfelt love towards God and our neighbor. Then our life will become more and more governed by the Holy Spirit, who helps us in the battle against sin, our old nature, the world. Oftentimes times we are weak, prey to the desires of our sinful flesh, doing things we should not do, things that grieve our Heavenly Father we still do. Look at Romans 7. We know it, and yet it's often so difficult to break with these sins. Well, it is for this reason that the Lord instituted the Holy Supper for by eating from the bread and by drinking from the cup, he will strengthen us in this battle so that we persevere and not go down to defeat. That's why it says in the form for the Lord's Supper that no sin or weakness which remains in us against our will. That means you are fighting. And in that fight, the Holy Supper is there to help you. In the second part of Acts 76, it reads, through the working of the Holy Spirit, we will be united more and more to Christ's sacred body, the extent that although christ is in heaven and we are on earth yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones it calls to mind the song of adam his wedding song in genesis 2. the chapter that tells us how adam initially couldn't find a helper fit for him but then god took one of his ribs and gave him a wife, a helper fit for him then adam rejoices in this wonderful gift before the fall to sin Later he says, that woman thou hast given me, but before the followers to sin, this now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Adam praises God for that wonderful relationship given in marriage. Now you may think, what has that to do with Holy Supper? Well, I like to refer to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, quoting those same words, using the wonderful relationship between husband and wife as an image of the intimate bond between Christ and his congregation. Christ is the bride We are the brides. And so as church, we have a bond with Christ. And this bond, it is this bond to which answer 76 reviewers. The bond between Christ and us as his congregations is indeed as intimate as the bond between husband and wife. Flesh from his flesh. Bone from his bones. In the same way as Eve before the fall into sin was called after the man. Woman. Taken out of man. Like us, we are called after Christ, Christians. We are of Christ. Flesh of his flesh. Bone of his bones. We may sh- shelter with the heavenly bridegroom who dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. Last week I letter a meditation says, it's not that Christ says, follow the truth. No, he says, I am the truth. I live in you. And now you have to show it. So Christ dwells in us by his Holy Spirit so that we more and more radiate his image. He sanctifies us. Cleansing us with the washing of water. The water of the... Cleansing us with the washing of water by the word. It says in Ephesians 5 verse 26. That's by baptism. And the weekly preaching of God's word, but also by Holy Supper. So all these means of grace, Christ shows us his love and answers to encourage us to persevere in faith, so that finally he might present her, the bride, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and with our blemish. That's our future. Do you long for that? There's another point. We all long to go to heaven, but why do you long to go to heaven? Often we say, there is no sorrow, no pain and all these things that will be, sometimes it can be a bit selfish. Why do you want to go to heaven? Isn't the most important thing if you want to go to heaven that we never will grieve Father again? Which our plan Lord, I long for that day that we will never grieve again. No sin anymore. Always perfectly the focus on God alone. Kingdom focused. Always never be distracted anymore. Who not long for that day? It's not that far. We are not that far anyway. So that's future. We still have a fight on our hands. And that will cost us as sinful people a lot of energy. Faith energy. At times you might even become exhausted. But then time again, there is the Lord's Supper table. our hungry and thirsty souls are refreshed with the true food and drink and to eternal life we love to remember these riches each time when holy supper is celebrated when Christ says to you come eat and drink a command but extended in love for Christ knows how weak we are let us then make sure that we come rejoicing in God's love towards us sinners Amen.